Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Warning, this podcast contains explicit language and details acts of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Today in Los Angeles, it's the day after Election Day. Ballots across the county are being tallied up in one of the most watched police races in the United States, the campaign for sheriff of Los Angeles County. Incumbent Sheriff Alex Villanueva's administration has spent the last four years caught up in scandal after scandal. He's faced calls from his own party to step down. We'll know soon what his fate is. He's being challenged by Robert Luna, the former chief of the Long Beach Police Department. Luna has the backing of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party, the support of local officials Villanueva has openly clashed with and even investigated, and the endorsement of the Los Angeles Times. Many people think he won the race months ago. This is a tradition of violence, a history of deputy gangs inside the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. This week, we're bringing you a special episode about the man who wants to be Sheriff, Robert Luna. Luna grew up in East Los Angeles and says that his first memories of the police were watching sheriff's deputies rough up people in his neighborhood. Despite his own hostile encounters with police officers, Luna went on to join the Long Beach Police Department in 1985 as a reserve police officer. He entered the police academy in April of 1987 and went on to be promoted through every rank in the department. Luna became a member of executive staff under Chief Tom Bishop in 1998 and went on to succeed Chief Jim McDonnell as head of the Long Beach Police Department when McDonnell won the race for sheriff in 2014. Luna was the first Latino chief in the department's history and was celebrated by local officials. But other officers of color were wary of Luna. Mark McGuire joined the Long Beach Police Department in 1991 and became a detective two years later. I was there for 24 and a half years, and I worked either for or around Robert Luna. He was my sergeant in gangs. He was my lieutenant at one time. He was my commander. As he rose through the ranks, he was assigned to wherever I was assigned. And then he became my deputy chief. And then he became the chief. So we talked because there weren't a lot of minorities there. He had an open door policy, which is a good thing. And I would vent to him about the racism that I was experiencing. And he would do nothing about it. And I was really hurt when he ignored some of the things that I told him because he knew the truth. One incident changed Mark's relationship with Luna completely. There was one poster that I told Robert Luna about, and it kind of set my career back. It was a uh, poster of the tree, and on this tree were murder suspects that had been convicted of murder, and they were either looking at life or death. And... Out of all of the pictures on the tree, there was one black man hanging by a noose 
from around his neck, and that was posted up in the homicide office in 1996. Mark says he reported the poster to Robert Luna. He told Luna he wanted to remain anonymous. The poster was placed in a way that when you walk down the hall, anybody could see it. I didn't want to be involved because I didn't want that stigma of being called a snitch or a rat or whatever. And he assured me that he wasn't going to uh, involve me in it. But he did. As soon as he saw it, whenever he saw it, later on, I think it was either that afternoon or the next day, I was called in to tell my story. And then I was labeled. I was labeled, like I said, a rat, a snitch, a malcontent, and a troublemaker. When he outed me on the poster, I never really confided in him as often. Mark says receiving a negative label for calling out racism had a huge effect on his career inside of the department. I couldn't get jobs. I had to stay where I was. There was only a certain group of people that would work with or around me. But people knew that I would report discrimination or shenanigans, if you will. I would report it because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be ethical as an officer. And that's what I did. Other black officers inside of the LBPD say they've had their own issues with Luna, too. Darren Neely has been a Long Beach police officer for 37 years. Recently, he had to go on light duty. I had a foot surgery, and I had all intensive purposes of just retiring out. Well, they kept calling the doctor, and the doctor said, okay, I'm going to release him to go back and work light duty. And a little birdie had already told me, hey, listen, when you come in and you work light duty, don't do like everybody else does. And when they just kind of come in, they sit there, they don't get involved. Darren began rotating from unit to unit every 90 days. He later had to have eye surgery, which limited the amount of time he could spend on the computer. I told him, I said, you know what, I can do some computer work, but I can't sit at the computer for long periods of time. Everywhere I went, the command staff said, hey, can we keep him here? And it came from Luna's office, no. He has to rotate out. My last assignment, they said, Chief Luna is going to assign you to the redaction detail. But remember, I can't do the computer work all day long. Well, where'd they send me? They put me at a desk. They had two big screens in it. And they said, well, we want you to do our redactions on officer-involved shootings. 3,000 pages, 400 pictures. And I'm doing three or four of these, and I'm, I'm just I'm putting in work, right? And I wanted to get these cases solved uh, I wanted to get these cases redacted so that they could go out. So I came in early one morning, and I'm sitting there, and I'm doing these redactions, and my head's hurting. Something was wrong, but Darren kept pushing. As he did, his symptoms got worse. I'm on my way home, going down the 91 freeway, and I noticed that I was kind of fighting the steering. I put my hand up over my left eye. My right eye is black. I can't see out of my right eye. I go to my doctor, and the doctor goes, yeah, you strained it. You, you spent too much time at the computer. And I went, okay. I filed my workman's comp case. They go, okay, well, the doctor says he can come back to work, but no more computer work. Well, Luna's office came out and said, if he can't do computer work, we don't have a position for him. Quincy Miles went through the academy for the Long Beach Police Department for the first time in 2005. He says he immediately started encountering racism. Black recruits were always seen as bad at writing, regardless of their skill set. So this thing is like generational. One thing I kind of learned in my cat, most of us had college degrees. Most of the whites had high school diplomas. It's almost like we had to come in almost above the expectations. You're going to get labeled in Long Beach if you're black. Either you're going to be confrontational militant, or you can't read or write. One of my classmates had a degree in journalism. You can't tell me you can't write a police report at Long Beach. Most of the racists had the stronger personality. They had the alpha male personality. So that's who dominated the meetings, the hiring, the process. If the strongest personality is a bigot, that's what you're going to get. When Quincy became a police officer and went out on patrol, he says the displays of racism became even more blatant. Just to tell you how openly racist, you know, the department could be, 
And I heard this from a dispatcher and senior officers. They used to clear calls over the radio anytime like altercations with black people, TND, typical n- deals, over the radio openly. Besides the systemic racism, Mark and Darren allege that the Long Beach Police Department had its own issues with a white supremacist gang inside its ranks, the Northtown Rangers. I am familiar with them, white supremacist police officers who brutalized people of color in the community in North Long Beach. There were a group of officers who predominantly worked together, and they were not people of color. (laughs) And they were accused of doing some unethical things, and it became this Northtown Rangers thing, like a gang type deal. Robert Luna said at a recent debate that the gang was eradicated, and as a sergeant, there's only so much he could do. But Mark believes Luna should have done more to get rid of the gang. He was a sergeant at the time. During the debate, he said they were eradicated. They were not. They were transferred to other parts of the city. None of them were fired and some of them promoted. The Luna for Sheriff campaign sent us a statement about these criticisms, which I'll read. In terms of these comments, Chief Luna addressed many of them in his interview on this podcast. We might as well point out that besides the incumbent sheriff, the most vocal Luna critics during the campaign are three disgruntled former Long Beach police officers. Over the last two months, these former officers have become Alex Villanueva's, quote, running mates going everywhere with the sheriff, who does not seem to mind that these former officers are not telling the truth. Former officer Quincy Miles was terminated by the Long Beach Police Department for numerous violations, including, but not limited to, inexcusable neglect of duty for sleeping in his police vehicle while on duty while a police officer was shot, dishonesty, insubordination, failing to file reports in a timely manner, and a domestic violence dispute. Miles also lost his lawsuit claiming discrimination, with the jury returning a verdict in favor of the city of Long Beach and requiring the former officer to pay attorney's costs to the city. Former officer Mark McGuire had a decorated career as a homicide detective. In his deposition, he stated under oath that the despicable Wren family tree poster was the only racially offensive material he ever saw at the Long Beach Police Department. He also stated in his 2018 deposition testimony, under oath, that when he complained to Robert Luna, who was a sergeant back in 1996, about the poster, Luna said he would take care of it, and did. In the deposition, McGuire was asked, quote, What did Luna say? McGuire answered, quote, He told me he would take care of it. The lawyer asked, quote, And did he? And McGuire answered, quote, Yes. And the lawyer asked, quote, Okay. And so by the next day, when you came to work, it was gone? McGuire answered, quote, yes. And the lawyer asked, quote, there was an IA investigation on it? McGuire answered, quote, yes. Under oath, in 2018, McGuire has a different story than he has today. And it should be noted that this happened more than 25 years ago, when Luna had no leadership position in the department. He was only a sergeant. He had no authority over IA investigations or discipline. He was not responsible for what happened in the investigation or the aftermath, but he reported it, as he said he would, and started the investigation of this clearly racist and disgusting poster. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary in Indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Local media doesn't do a great job of covering police agencies here in L.A. County. But luckily, there are several small, nonprofit newsrooms that are doing the work. My name is Kevin Flores. I am the co-founder of Forth.org. Uh, we're a not-for-profit, uh, worker-owned media outlet in Long Beach. We uh, publish investigative reporting and uh, community media, as well as we're also a platform for uh, local artists. Kevin has done a lot of reporting on Robert Luna and the Long Beach Police Department. Like the L.A. Sheriff's Department, there's a long history of misconduct, abuse, and racism there dating back for generations. There is a major lack of uh, accountability um, at, at the LBPD, a lack of transparency. It's, it's a major theme of the LBPD uh, during the time that I've been reporting on them. Kevin and his colleagues found that the Long Beach Police Department has struggled to recruit black officers. Long Beach is a city, has a black population of 12%. If you look at data on the makeup of, of, the, of sworn officers in the LBPD, it's, it's 45% white, and then uh, you have about 40% Hispanic, and black officers only make up 5.2%. And that is at odds with the demographics of the city. That's part of a legacy of white supremacist ideology in the Long Beach Police Department. This history of policing is inseparable from the desire of white people and the wealthy to dominate everyone else. I wrote a piece documenting the KKK's infiltration of the Long Beach Police Department in the first half of the 20th century, and how in 1924 there were several officers in, in KKK garb that tortured three black teenagers on the outskirts of town. So we see this kind of racism repeating itself today. Earlier this year, Michael Colbert, the only black person to ever hold a pilot position with the LBPD's air support division, filed a lawsuit against the city. Kevin is covering the lawsuit for fourth. We co-published this with Knock LA, a black LBPD officer who had retired, who was suing the department and was alleging that there was workplace discrimination, harassment, retaliation. He was subjected to racial slurs. And we also alleged that there was just all kinds of racist and demeaning acts by his coworkers throughout a 30-year career at the LBPD. Those allocations indicate that there's just widespread racism in the workplace at the LBPD. So it's not only pointed outwards, it's, it's also pointed inwards. The LBPD only promoted a black woman beyond the rank of sergeant this year the first in 134 years. Darren Neely, who has been on the department for 37 years, says Robert Luna could have done more to retain and promote black women. Every African-American female that was on that police department after 1985, I either recruited, I even took some of them out and trained with a whole group of people so that uh, they could do the physical abilities and the oral interviews. That's how they all got hired. He could have taken it to the next level and helped them promote through the system. He didn't because it wasn't important to him. And it wasn't important 
to the people that he had put in place. In Long Beach, police killed 27 people between 2013 and 2020, and a black person was over three times more likely to be killed by cops than a white person, according to policescorecard.org. We compiled data on Long Beach officers who were named in civil rights lawsuits, and, and we found that the LBPD almost never fires officers involved in killing or injuring civilians. Uh, and that's even after a civil jury finds that an officer violated a person's rights. And we also found that the LBPD promoted at least a dozen officers who were involved in acts of police brutality between 2007 and 2018, which resulted in civil litigation. If you ask Luna, he'll tell you that the incidents of, of excessive force have been trending down. And, and this is something that he would tell the city council during uh, presentations. But if you look at the actual raw numbers, which were obtained through public records request, there's almost a 30% increase in use of force incidents between 2016 and 2019, which is right in the middle of, of Luna's tenure. I spoke with Robert Luna about this, which you'll hear later. He says that LBPD was able to reduce shootings by 50% in 2020. They went up again in 2021, and now the reductions are at 33%. The Long Beach Police Department has also faced criticism for its use of an outdated discriminatory practice to entrap and arrest gay men. These were operations where an undercover officer would target places that were frequented by gay men and try to bait them into performing um, sex acts. And this was ruled um, as discriminatory and unconstitutional, mainly because police only went after gay men when lewd conduct co complaints are just as common for, for heterosexual people. This is part of a long legacy of what's known as vice crimes, which, you know, which gives officers discretion to basically become morality police. And while this was going on for over 100 years, Luna allowed these arrests to go on for the first year and a half of his tenure as chief before the judge ruled that they were unconstitutional. He said that the Long Beach police was seeking to, quote, portray homosexual men as sexual deviants and pedophiles, end quote. And neither the city nor Luna has ever apologized for these arrests. An arrest like that can have long-term consequences to someone's life. These arrests can be very damaging to people. You know, they impose criminal records on gay men, and this could lead to them being outed. This could lead to them being ostracized from their community, to having a mental health crisis, to being fired from a job, and even making it very difficult to find future employment. Luna spoke to me in depth about this. He says this incident was a huge, quote, learning lesson. Operations carried out by the LBPD were also shrouded in some amount of secrecy. Under Chief Jim McDonnell, who went on to be the sheriff of L.A. County just before Villanueva, the department began using a service called Tiger Text. Tiger Text was used between police officers to communicate. It was a self-deleting app, and, you know, that raises issues of, again, transparency, because those messages can't be retrieved when there is some kind of lawsuit that comes up. I believe about 100 police personnel had access to that app. It would delete the messages after five days. There were attorneys that we spoke to who said that those messages being deleted were critical evidence that could be used in, say, like an officer-involved shooting case. When Luna spoke about this, I believe he was quoted in the LA Times you know, saying something like that the allegations that those messages could not be discoverable was false and that there was no intention of the department to destroy evidence. Critical evidence was destroyed, though, in the days before a new state transparency law came online. Senate Bill 1421, or SB 1421, made police records relating to officer use of force incidents, sexual assault, and acts of dishonesty accessible under the California Public Records Act. Ahead of January 1, 2019, many police departments destroyed their records, dating back about 20 years. The Long Beach Police Department was one of them. Later on, we did a follow-up where we were able to obtain some internal emails that police brass were circulating right before SB 1421 came online. And it showed that Luna and some other police brass 
they were circulating these messages from outside attorneys that were advising them to shred records ahead of the of the new law. And I want to be clear, like there's there isn't an instance in those emails where Luna gives an order to destroy records or anything like that, but it kind of just speaks of 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 like the messaging that that they were uh, passing back and forth, and and the type of advice that police officers get from these law firms that they often contract with. Prior to SB 1421 going into effect, there were folks who put flyers around the parks, basically decrying this this destruction of records. And there was some emails that were being passed around police, you know, calling whoever put these flyers up as suspects. So this is the type of like very reactionary, antagonistic attitude that the police have to any, anybody who's critical of the police. I mean, even the spokespeople for the police have been pretty antagonistic towards us when we write stories that are critical. In his investigations, Kevin says he's found lots of issues with the LBPD's use of surveillance technology. The LBPD's use of it is that they didn't have any policies um, around it. And they were buying this equipment without the public really knowing it wouldn't go through the city council. It would just be purchased either with federal grants or through other means, and it didn't need to be reported publicly. Last year, Forth discovered that the Long Beach Police Department was sharing data captured by its automatic license plate readers with the Trump administration's immigration enforcement agencies. These automatic license plate readers They're often mounted on police vehicles, as well as traffic signal poles. And they're capable of indiscriminately capturing license plate numbers at a rate of something like 1,800 a minute. So with this data, police are able to track a person's whereabouts, their travel patterns, and where they live, where they work, where they go to the doctor. That's super, super invasive. Our investigation found that the LBPD was sharing this data not only with federal immigration authorities, but with hundreds of law enforcement agencies across the country. In particular, yes, sharing that data with with immigration authorities was completely in violation of the sanctuary policies, the local and the state. Luna told me that it's important to have policies about surveillance technology in place, Otherwise, it can lead to, quote, big trouble. Kevin and his colleagues at Forth also obtained evidence of the Long Beach Police Department running thousands of facial recognition searches on people associated with protests against police brutality. We noticed that there was a big spike in the use of this technology around the time of of the George Floyd protests, directly after them. We later learned that the police department had put together this uh, looting task force, which uh, was was submitting these queries to a facial recognition database that's run by the uh, sheriff's department, actually. This database is basically made up of mugshots um, that go back, I believe, to the mid-1990s. And the way that they would record these queries would be by using very vague uh, terms, things like PD protest. And this doesn't allow anybody to then audit these searches in this facial recognition database to be able to see if the police were actually using this within constitutional bounds, uh, which is a big problem. The fact that they were using this label PD protest really kind of points to this idea that they were, or I would say this attitude that they had around the protest, they were missing the point of the whole protest. Kevin and Forth documented injuries inflicted by LBPD officers on protesters ranging from bruises to a severed finger. Victims included a teen author, a doctor, and KPCC reporter Adolfo Guzman Lopez, who had his neck ripped open by a less lethal projectile which are usually beanbag rounds, rubber bullets, or pepper balls. The round was fired by police during protests for George Floyd. Then-Chief Robert Luna was called before the Long Beach City Council to explain what happened. His justification was that people had begun to throw rocks and bottles and, and, and things like that, but when you look at pictures of the protests, you see that the officers were, you know, in body armor. They had, um, I believe they brought out some uh, some armored vehicles. Rocks and bottles weren't exactly going to, you know, defeat a militarized police force. So, yeah, I would say it was it was very, very little tolerance for protesters when it comes to criticizing the police department. The Long Beach Police Department had no shortage of issues while under Chief Robert Luna's command. 
After the break, he sits down with me for an interview. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I met with former Long Beach Police Chief Robert Luna over Zoom three weeks before the election. He says it's time to vote Alex Villanueva out. It's time for a change. I want to give the L.A. County Sheriff's Department back to the community where it belongs. There are wonderful men and women who work there. Uh, I think you've talked to many of them. Uh, But changes do need to be made. And I want, I, I, when I'm campaigning, this is what I tell people. We need a sheriff who has integrity. Uh, my body of work shows that I have integrity. Uh, two, we need a sheriff who holds himself and his employees accountable. Uh, I have done that uh, over and over. Uh, that's not happening right now with the sheriff's department. We need a sheriff uh, who collaborates. Um, uh, it is very important that the sheriff can get along, or at least uh, let me just say work with the board of supervisors, the inspector general, civilian oversight. Um, We cannot have this us versus them mentality anymore. Uh, It is impacting our public safety uh, to each and every one of our families. And then just real quick, because I didn't get a chance to do this. If you hear it in my tone of voice and my approach, it really doesn't always come back to my professional experience. It comes back to my personal experience. You're listening to a, a, a man who wanted to be a police officer from an early age growing up in unincorporated East Los Angeles. My father uh, migrated here from Mexico, seventh grade education. He was a janitor. My mom was born in Modesto, but only because she was part of a, uh, a farm, a migrant farm family from Michoacan, Mexico. Uh, third grade education and sold food on the streets. Those are my humble beginnings. Uh, I ended up face first on the hood of a police car just because I was riding a bike. You don't forget those things. And so when I answer questions, it's not just my professional experience. It is my personal experiences. I feel it. Uh, I want to be on the right side of history. And I sure hope I earn your vote. You have to vote. If you want change, you just cannot leave that box unchecked. If you do, can you imagine four or more years of Alex Villanueva? We cannot have that. Uh, we cannot have that. We need change and we need it now. So thank you for having me on your show and thank you for what you do. 
And you know what, God willing, if I get elected, I expect you to keep me in check. I have no doubt you can do that. This podcast is an investigation of deputy gangs inside the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. What is your plan to root out and prevent the further spread of deputy gangs? So I want to start off with several weeks ago, I was in a debate with uh, Alex Villanueva. And uh, this this was televised, so uh, people can go back and listen to it. But he was asked about deputy gangs. And he made a statement similar to this. And he says, deputy gangs are like a unicorn. It's something everybody talks about, but uh, it doesn't exist. And and that kind of puts an exclamation point on how he's been handling this issue. For me, I'm a complete contrast. Uh, I do believe that they do exist. Uh, and the first step to making sure uh, you resolve an issue is to accept the fact that they do exist. So that's step one. Coming in and making sure that everybody knows they're unacceptable, um, both inside the department and outside the department. Um, then the, the next thing that has to happen is you have to set a standard of conduct. Um, and what I mean by that is for me through principal leadership and, and to further explain that it, it goes back to the code of ethics and law enforcement. We took an oath. Uh, we raised our right hand and we said we were going to serve our community uh, no matter who they are, how much money they have, what color they are. Uh, those That's fundamental to our service. And we have to remind everybody from the time we recruit to hire, to train, to promote, uh, that this is the oath that we took. And gangs, talking about gangs and policing in the same sentence, absolutely not not acceptable meaning that the concept of of that even uh us thinking about this is not acceptable next is we have to make sure that there are strict policies and a policy something in writing that isn't worth much unless we're following it up with very good training consistent follow-up training and accountability so for me accountability means holding the individual deputies accountable who are involved in this level of misconduct and their supervisors. If you have sergeants, lieutenants, and above who may be looking the other way, that they should not be supervisors or managers. They may should maybe not even be on the department uh, because that's our stopgap to make sure this doesn't happen. Um, next for me is what I call federal and state intervention is that we need to make sure that we bring in the FBI, federal DOJ, state DOJ, and we have to open up every drawer, pull back every curtain and be open about the information that we have. Um, and then that has to be reported out. And by the way, that does include cooperating with civilian oversight. Uh, in my wildest dreams, I could never live in a world where I would get subpoenaed as the sheriff uh, to come in and testify, whether it's on deputy gangs or any other issue. And I'm not, I'm going to say, I'm not going to be there. That's insane. I expect you to follow the rules. I have to lead by example, not only for our community, but each and every one of our employees that I want them uh, to live within the parameters of the law. That becomes very, very important as well. Um, I, I do just, I want to touch on, cause this is a long answer, but it's very important is that I do believe that, uh, mental health care comes into play here. And let me explain mental health care for me in the community is very, very important. But I also believe that some of this misconduct may be untreated trauma where employees that are involved in this activity may be acting out and it's not acceptable. But what are we doing to make sure that employees that uh, are have been traumatized? Because it's a tough job. It's one of the toughest jobs out there that we're providing adequate mental health care for them. And not only our sworn employees, but our professional staff and their families. Because if we integrated into our disciplinary process, I want to make it clear, you're involved in significant misconduct 
illegal activity, unethical behavior, you don't deserve to wear a badge. But if there's something that falls below that, why not include mental health care as part of some kind of a recovery so then we can not only uh, do better at recruiting employees, but retaining them as well because they see that we're approaching this a different way. And then in turn, people start treating our community members uh, or they start treating our community better. And at the end of the day, I think that's what it's all about. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department has an issue with use of force. Um, Right now, there is a viral video circulating of a young man being beaten by two deputy sheriffs in Inglewood. Um, Already this year, 13 people have been shot as of this recording. Many victims of that have shared about seeing the deputies who hurt or killed their loved ones around their neighborhood. And many of those same deputies under current policy rarely face discipline or criminal charges for their actions. What are your policies on what should happen to officers or, excuse me, to deputies involved in brutal assaults or fatal shootings? Well, first of all, uh, any use of force uh, has to be taking has to be taken very serious because uh, when you see a use of force, whether it's on video or it's not, and I always go back and talk about uh, force that I witnessed as a young boy growing up in an unincorporated East Los Angeles, I never forgot about that. That's traumatizing. So we have to acknowledge that there's there's a lot of uh, pain involved on all sides. Uh, so that becomes very important. So because I haven't worked in the sheriff's department, what I could relate to you is my experiences specifically as a chief of police uh, in Long Beach. And law enforcement has evolved over the last several years. And uh, we were able to, I was able to, uh, I believe, transform the Long Beach Police Department uh, in the way uh, we did our policy, in the way we did our training, uh, and the way we held uh, individual employees accountable. And because we did that, uh, we were able to reduce our officer-involved shootings by 33%, reduce our uses of force by 29%, and our citizen complaints by 30%. And the way we did that is, first, you look at the policy. And uh, for me, I always wanted to make sure, and this was because, uh, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was elected and re-elected to the executive board of the Major City Chiefs Association. I was a Western Region representative. That put me at the table with other police chiefs and sheriffs of the 79 largest departments in the U.S. and Canada. There, we discussed all the current uh, issues uh, involving law enforcement, including the use of force, uh, deadly force or uh, uh, force below that. And so we were working on um, uh, very uh, updated uh, uh, policies. And because I was at that table, we were able to bring that right back to Long Beach and compare our policies to make sure they not only met national standards, but they exceeded them. So with that experience, bringing that back and really having a mindset of uh, self-reflection and who we are. Uh, one of the things I did is we started our Office of Constitutional Policing in Long Beach. And that's something I would like to do in the Sheriff's Department. And what that office does, I had, I hired uh, uh, an attorney who was actually a defense attorney in New York for New York PD. Um, uh, I say she worked out of New York. I shouldn't say for the police department because she was a defense attorney. And um, what she did for us is she was bringing up She was looking at our policies. She was looking at our training and researching best practices and bringing them in. What we were also doing is teaming up with academic institutions. And one of my goals was to make sure that we were not thinking insular, that we had outside eyes looking at us and we weren't afraid to accept outside input. Um, and, and I'm, I started to mention this, but I'm, almost talking too fast here, got ahead of myself. Uh, part of the the Office of Constitutional's responsibility was to put together a community advisory board of a very diverse group of community members that would come in 
And the first policy they started to look at and review was our use of force policy. Uh, it was that kind of an approach uh, that had us looking at business differently. Now, was it a culture shock uh, to command staff and our officers and our labor? It was. But you know what? We had really good people and it takes good leadership and there is some back and forth. But at the end of the day, we have to remind each other that we serve this community. They are our bosses. And yes, you know, there's been that little black box concept in law enforcement that uh, we do have to modify and change as time goes on. But what I'm explaining to you is that it's evolving. It's evolving. And it has to happen at the sheriff's department. We have to evolve. It's 2022. We cannot be doing the same things we did before. So let me give you one last example. We're talking about uses of force and reducing them. So for example, whether you're talking about this viral video or any other videos, you break that down into three pieces. The first piece is the pre-use of force conduct is, was the approach by the officers or deputies legal? Why did they approach in the first place? So we look at that aspect. Was it tactically sound? Were their tactics contributing to the use of force? Those are the things that we looked at in Long Beach, and it really started changing the mindset that, you know what, we are going to pay attention to tactics. Tactics do matter. And if your tactics are way out of bounds, then that use of force uh, could not, should not be in policy. Those are the kind of things, the hard questions we have to ask ourselves. Then you look at the use of force itself, an objective review. Is it something that you're using to control an individual or are you trying to punish them? If you're trying to control, that could be within policy, depending on the circumstances. If you're trying to punish, that is absolutely uh, unlawful. Uh, and to your point, uh, those are the kind of things that you know we have to bring to bear uh, to make sure that at the end of the day, things are being done uh, constitutionally, uh, legal, and, and correctly. Then you have the post uh, use of force review. Uh, did we properly uh, handle the individual that we use force on? Uh, if, you know, God forbid they need medical care, uh, are we rendering first aid, uh, CPR if necessary, uh, getting the paramedics there as quickly as possible, uh, and making sure that we're doing everything around the scene to make sure we get the appropriate witnesses uh, and and uh, investigators whether it's criminal investigation or administrative investigation, or the DA if they're involved in the use of force. In the past, the sheriff's department has participated in programs where it results in donations of stuff like military equipment, surveillance equipment, surveillance programs. What is your stance on the department's continued participation in those programs? And do you think that the sheriff's department should accept additional weaponry, vehicles, other gear from these programs? I'm not familiar with what the sheriff's department does right now. Uh, but again, I can relay it to my experiences uh, in Long Beach. Uh, and I could tell you that we evolved uh, to more of what you're saying now, because at one time, uh, I think most of us police departments and sheriff's departments may have been taking equipment from the military. Uh, and uh, what I ended up doing in Long Beach, and, and please look at Long Beach because we have a port. So I know like some of the things we took at the end were like trailers uh, to tow our police boats that were used to patrol the water site in Long Beach. But then over time, uh, years back, we had taken some military equipment. As a matter of fact, at one point, we ended up uh, giving some back uh, because we had to really look at our policies about what would we accept and why. So what we did in our department is we had a somebody at the rank of deputy chief who would review uh, the request and there were plenty of requests. And if they didn't fit uh, our needs, our community needs, then uh, we weren't not uh, going to use them. Obviously, you have to find a balance between uh, military-style equipment and what we may need uh, to properly do our jobs. 
Uh, so when you're talking about, for example, surveillance equipment, uh, is it something that is, uh, and I learned this the hard way as the chief in Long Beach, do you have a policy? Uh, is it, um, uh, is it being audited? Uh, are we doing things the right way? Uh, because I'm telling you right now, you can get yourself in big trouble when you don't have good audit systems in place to manage those things. In Long Beach, the police killed 27 people between 2013 and 2020, and police scorecard found that Black people were over three times more likely to be stopped by cops than a white person. Um, what are your thoughts on those statistics? And how will you approach the Black community um, and cultivate that relationship should you be elected sheriff? Regarding the information, you never ignore it. Uh, it's information that's out there and you've got to listen to it. Uh, and uh, I believe in a healthy skepticism of law enforcement. You know, I used to tell our uh, recruits and our officers and when people got promoted that we have one of the only jobs where we have the authority to take somebody's property, liberty, and life away. And uh, if you cannot accept the fact that you're going to be second-guessed, um, then you don't belong in this business. Uh, it's a tough job, and I have so much respect for the people who do it. So that's my overriding uh, towards any numbers. Um, and I, I'm, I am somewhat familiar I haven't looked at the scorecard information lately, but I can tell you this, that uh, over time, if you look at our statistics in Long Beach PD, I said it earlier, we reduced our officer-involved shootings. Uh, it, at the end of, I want to say it was 2020, I had a 50% reduction. Um, it did go up to in 21. So now it's a 33% reduction. Uh, the uses of force uh, had dropped. So even though I don't ignore the information, uh, it doesn't give us credit for us transforming our policies, our training and accountability to improve because you have to start somewhere and we did improve. And uh, at the end of the day, my goal, and some people may say it's unrealistic, is that that number of killing somebody is zero. Uh, uh, and, you know, having one is too many, specifically if they're your family members. In relations to our uh, African American or Black community in Long Beach, um, I had an extraordinary relationship with many. Uh, was it perfect with everybody? No, it wasn't. I wish it could have been. Uh, I wanted to be perfect. Um, but you know what? I never closed the door to anybody, even if they disagreed with me or I disagreed with them. I was willing to listen. And that's the contrast between me and my opponent uh, right now, that that that, that is a, a big difference. But I had it, an amazing relationship uh, with the, uh, the, the Long Beach branch of the NAACP. I was often at community events at night on weekends contributing to uh, Christmas. Uh, I was so proud. And, and I, there's so many people who can come forward uh, and talk about uh, those uh, relationships. Um, uh, the Ministers Alliance in Long Beach, uh, which are mostly African-American ministers, I work hand in hand with them. Uh, and I, I've got to say, I've got to get that, give them credit because they worked with me in advising me on how the community felt and what was important to reduce these numbers. So as you can see, um, facing adversity, you have to do that as a sheriff. You have to do that as a police chief, but you have to accept responsibility uh, for the action, your own actions and the actions of your employees. Because making excuses and blaming other people are not going to work, especially for the Los Angeles County uh, Sheriff's Department. And please remember, officer-involved shootings between 2015 and uh, 2021 went down uh, 33%. Um, and uh, citizen complaints went down actually 34% between that same time period. 
For the first year and a half of your tenure as chief in Long Beach, um, there was a decades-old practice of entrapping gay men for lewd conduct charges um, that was carried out. There were police sting operations, um, and they were only stopped after an L.A. Superior Court judge called these practices out as discriminatory in 2016. The Long Beach Police Department still hasn't apologized for these stings. Is that something that you regret during your tenure as chief? You know what? It was a huge learning lesson for me. And it goes back to uh, what you think is right. One day, uh, all of a sudden, uh, uh, reality strikes you and you have to. I tell people one of my keys to success is to listen, learn, and love. And I know that sounds weird coming from a, a police official. But this is a perfect example. Uh, we had uh, a sting going on because we had complaints in a public restroom that was in a park across the street from Wilson High School in Long Beach at Recreation Park. And when we typically had complaints, the vice officers would do these things. And they were being done for years. And you almost think, okay, this is the way we handle this. But then the Superior Court judge issues the decision. And at first, you know, you, you almost have a tendency to almost get defensive. Well, wait a minute, we're just doing our job. But one of the, the advantages I had in Long Beach is I had an amazing relationship. I keep on using the word amazing because I was very immersed in our community with our LGBTQ community, specifically our LGBTQ center. And trust me, when they got wind of this, they were in my face. They were like, what the heck are you doing? Why would you do this? And it was like, wait a minute, we're just doing our job. But what I started to realize and what I learned is that when they were asking me questions like this one, they're going, wait a minute, if you're making arrest of a, a, a gay man having sex with another gay man, how many arrests are you making for a heterosexual man having sex with a heterosexual woman on the beach? And you start thinking, wait a minute, maybe we've been approaching this a whole different way. That was like a light bulb moment to think, you know what? Let's get our LGBTQ center involved. And from now on, they helped us reform our policy. And we start looking at a different way of approaching these complaints, which it starts off with education. And then if education doesn't work, we use our partners at LGBTQ to help us get the word out uh, and help us. And to my knowledge and I don't think we've made, we didn't have any more stings after that. I don't think we've made any arrest. We've approached it completely different. And my relationship with our LGBTQ center actually was enhanced because we ran across some adversity. Uh, we listened to each other. We changed it for the betterment of our community because we have a very large LGBTQ community in Long Beach. And that was a lesson learned, huge lesson learned. Uh, and, and this is the experience I'm bringing to the sheriff's department. You have uh, a, an executive who has faced adversity, never ran away from it, uh, uh, engaged it. I was very honest about it. And hear this. I accepted responsibility for it. It's like, yeah, we did it. And you know what? We learned our lessons. We're not doing this anymore. And that has happened over and over. Uh, and that's what I believe the change we need in the sheriff's department today is to have a leader who accepts responsibility, is willing to listen to their community, work with their community, and make the necessary changes. Now, when you, you ask about an apology, the detectives there thought they were doing their job. And this is where it gets a little strange for me. A lot of times, we have to look at our management practices. I just described what a management practice was. We are sending our detectives out to do this work. They thought they were doing a good job. It's management that had to change the way we were doing things. And we did. And that happens a lot, especially um, when you have allegations of like racial profiling, because a lot of times we get pressure. Hey, stop the shooting. Stop this. Stop that. And then we have our deputies or officers stopping our community members. What are we really asking them to do? We have to be smarter, we have to be strategic, and take accountability for our actions and the actions of our employees. And that is very, uh, very, very uh, critical. And um, just so all of the your listeners are aware, my mayor, 
Robert Garcia, who is gay. Um, he, he endorsed me for this race. Uh, he is one of the, uh, uh, individuals I went to as a mentor when we were going through this about, Hey, how do we turn this around? It's our city. Let's make a difference. So the LGBTQ community in Long Beach does support me. And we went through some growing pains, but this is what you need to go through as a family, right? The ballots are still being counted and the fate of the sheriff's race lies in the voters' hands. Soon we'll know who will be head of the department. A man who says deputy gangs don't exist, appears to be using his position for political gain and defies subpoenas, or a chief with his own baggage, eager to restore normalcy to the sheriff's department. Only time and poll workers will tell. H-double-O-D, the whole hood know me. Fuck the police, I'm a fucking hood trophy. You've been listening to A Tradition of Violence, a history of deputy gangs in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Hosted and executive produced by Cerise Castle, music by Yellow Hill and Steels. For breaking news and updates on deputy gangs, follow at LASD Gangs on social media. To support Cerise's reporting and for exclusive bonus content, subscribe to the LASD Gangs Patreon. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next-day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.